0: All right, today in First Peter, we've entitled the message The Writer of First Peter. Um, this is a book that will help us with, uh, I believe, so many things because it is a practical book that deals with trials and tribulations, and we all have them, and we'll be studying this book together. Last week, we opened up the introduction to the book, and I said it would take two weeks to do that, uh, but just bear with me, we're going to even go quicker than that with it uh, this morning as we opened up to prepare us for the study and I want you to know that I was excited last week when I heard a number of you come and you shook hands and said now I'm ready for this book uh, as we gave the introduction and there was only one or two things I wasn't able to finish with but uh, we gave you most of the background and I went in last week as to why do we even study the Bible? Why do we come here to actually challenge our mind because there's a lot of religious activity that goes on around the world, and many people are coming, so I reminded us, why are we even coming here? Why are we studying the Bible? And why this particular book? Uh, Indeed, and we talked about that last week. We did say that the book was written somewhere in the mid-60s A.D., so it's a book that's over 2,000 years old, and we dealt with that, or about 2,000 years old. It was written from a location called Babylon, and we will exegete that when we get to chapter five, but I mentioned that to you last week. And the occasion was that these believers were living in a very hostile environment. And Christianity was not looked upon favorably. In fact, persecution was now upon them. And so the environment around them was not favorable. Many were in very difficult trials And even socially, economically, their lives were threatened. And even persecution to the point of death was all around Christianity. And that was the background. So Paul is writing to encourage them. And that is really a summation of all that we talked about last week in a lot more detail. And one other thing I want to mention to you only, and there were other things that I had planned, but I want to just mention one other thing. The real theme for this book to help us to get excited is, I would entitle it, being triumphant, being victorious in trials. We all face them. We come here on Sunday mornings and I know, without knowing how your week was, you faced some trials this week. We don't know what a day may bring. Matthew's very clear about that. Sufficient unto the day is his own evil. And we are all facing trials. Don't think you are alone. Don't think you are unique in your family, in your marriage, in your work environment. And even if things are going well today, there are trials that will come. How encouraging could you be, Pastor Dan? But it's reality. And, and this book is very practical. And it will deal with that, and we will see that. So that's enough for the introduction. Let's get into the meat. Let's start dealing with the book. Let's go to the book. I could give you many other things and I had a plan, but I want to get in. In our opening here, in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we have the salutation. It is nothing that is new. It's a very typical letter uh, that was written. And in the salutation we are given the identity of both the writer and the recipients And then we're given a greeting at the end of the verse. We will only be able to deal with the writer today. This format is quite different from the way we would, I say write letters, we don't write letters. We write text. And the text don't even say anything like this anymore. When I was in school, we used to learn how to write letters and you had to address it. You never found out who was writing till the end of it. Well, that wasn't the way they did it then. The way they did it then was they let you know right away where it was coming from, who it was intended for, and then all of that out of the way, here's the content. And that's what we find in this typical letter today. And so today we begin by opening up with one word, Peter. That's all we got today, Pastor Dan? No, we'll get a little bit further, but we won't get beyond an apostle of Jesus Christ this morning. Peter, and I wanna stop us a second right there because even to break it practical immediately to us. As we come to an assembly like this, we are looking, I'm looking at faces right now, and if you look across the room, we're looking at people who have come up from various childhoods. We all have various backgrounds. Most of us didn't know one another. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? We didn't know one another, and we have come to know one another. We were involved in different religious upbringings. There were different religious activities we were involved in. That we are at different levels of education. We are at different skill levels in our lives. We're all been given different things like that. And we are in different economic situations. That is how the Church of Jesus Christ is. And it's very often with us, and I know it's typical of me, that when I come to a book and I see the word like Peter, what happens to me is I, re- I view in my mind the apostles and the prophets as some special superheroes. And the reason I went back to us, sometimes as we gather together, we look and we view others and we say, wow, this person, you know, if they're a pastor, they've got to be, if they're an elder, a deacon, you know, they arrived. Who are you kidding? It's not true at all we are all members of the body of christ in particular and important to the body of christ but it is true we look up we we think these people are superhuman but i want you to see even as we're addressing the name peter he was just like you and me he really was god used him in a great way and his desire is to use each one of us in the body of christ with the gifts he's given us for his honor and glory and he can achieve magnificent things in your life. Now I'm going to tell you today, I don't know how old you are, thankfully, and you don't know how old I am unless I tell you. And and the point is whatever years we've lived already, that's past. That's history. But I want you to go out of here today realizing that just like with Peter, God can and wants to use you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ with whatever time frame you've got left for his honor and glory. And you ought to be excited because Peter was just a man, as we're going to see this morning, that was used greatly by God. But just like us, he grew up with a childhood. He grew up with a certain level of education that was different from some of the other apostles and prophets. We sometimes look at them as... Maybe they were a special believer from birth. Now, there are some cases in the Scripture, Jeremiah is one of them, that are mentioned like that, but most were not like that. We think they are people who could do no wrong. They were were special people and they could do no wrong. They're not like me at all. And if we saw them walking around, I mean, if we saw the Apostle Peter walking around, you know how we would know him? By all means, he would have a halo about him. So when we're walking around, we say, "This Peter. See that? Or we would be able to look at his clothing, right, and say, wow, that's the apostle Peter. I can tell. Look at the way he's dressed. You know, you're getting the idea. I don't think we would know Peter like we would know anybody else. If Peter was sitting in this audience, I wouldn't know him. Why? He was just a person that God mightily used. God mightily used. Now, I don't want to lose track of the fact, and I will give you a reference for time. I'm not going to turn there, but Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is their teaching. That is their instruction, and we are building upon that, and don't misunderstand, the passage goes on to say that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. He's the cornerstone, But by his choosing, he used the prophets and he used the apostles in a magnificent way, as we learned last week, to record scripture so that we can study it and build our lives upon it. So in that realm, they are special people that were used differently by God. But they were ordinary people like you and me for the most part. Many of them, including Peter, as we will see in just a moment, were without biblical training. They didn't have any Bible training. Many of them lacked in their understanding of what was going on in the world around them or how to even respond and in some cases magnificently and quite shockingly we might think to ourselves, many of them, like Peter, had the Lord walking with them and didn't even know how to respond to what he was doing and forgot the miracles that he did the next day. That's how they were just human beings. It was unbelievable. Many of them lacked power in their lives in given situations. And in a moment, you're going to see that even with Peter. Many of them even lacked faith in circumstances. Many of them, including Peter, were filled with pride, just like we are. Now, I'm not trying to build us up like that, but just to help you to see that they were just people who are unaware how God was going to use them, but, and here's the key, and that's going to lead us to communion, God made a change in their lives. God came into their lives just like he came into yours, and he made a change in their lives, and when that change took place, God was then able to accomplish great things because of their yieldedness to him in spite of their continued failure. And that was also true with Peter. And why do you think that's true? I want you to grab this one, and I'll give you the reference again. It's 2 Corinthians, and it's chapter 12. Why does God take a guy like Peter? Why does he take a guy like you, I say a guy, or a woman like you, or a young person, or an older person, and why does he use him for your honor and glory? Why does he take us with all our flaws and all our failures? You want to know why? So that his grace will be sufficient and so that no one will glory in his sight. So that God's power will be made perfect in weakness. And believe it or not, Peter was a guy in whose God power, God's power, was made perfect in Peter's weakness. Tremendous, tremendous. So let's look, take a look at the man. First word, Peter. As far as his genealogy, and that was important to him, just like it is to you, people do searches on that today. His name, you'll find it different in scripture. You'll find it as Simon. You'll find it as Peter. You'll find it as Simon Peter. That is the Greek aspect of it. You will also find him in scripture as Simeon. That is his Hebrew name. You will also find him with his Aramaic name, Cephas. Now, not that you want all of that, but I'm just trying to help you so when you're reading scripture, that's all referring to the same person when it's referring to him. His descent is that he's technically, according to Matthew 16 and also John 21, his descent is really from Simon, son of Jonah. And that's the way they wrote it. My name is Dan Trapanier, and you have a last name. They didn't speak in terms of last names. They spoke in terms of whose son the person was. If you went back, for example, to read the book of Numbers, and I picked that one because in the book of Numbers, that's where they're listing down this, all of these people to find out who's ready for war and above the age of 20. And as they did it, they would say, this is the person the son of. And that's what it means when it says, Simon by Jonah, it's son of Jonah, which is actually the word John. He was the son of John, so it would identify who Peter was. He was the son of Jonah or the son of John. He had a brother, just like we sometimes do. In John chapter 1, verse 40, does anybody know what his name was? I'll test you. Andrew, that is correct. Andrew was his brother. In fact, the Lord called Andrew first, and then Andrew got so excited, he wouldn't get his brother Peter. He was uh, of the descent of the son of Jonah. He had a brother named Andrew. Where did he live? According to John chapter 1 verse 44, let's just take a look there for a second. Let's go there. I'll give you a number of references without turning. Let's turn to one here quickly. Go to John chapter 1 just for a moment. And I'm going to have you turn to another passage and keep your finger there. But John chapter 1 and uh, verse 44, the next day it says, he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip and Jesus uh, uh, said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from, here it is, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So that's where they were from, Bethsaida. That's where he was brought and brought up, okay, just like we were. He was a young Jewish boy, basically, who was believing that the Messiah would come. And the reason we know that is John's account says when Andrew found him, he said, he came running to Peter, and he says, we've found the Messiah. So he was growing up as a young boy in this area of Bethsaida, and as he was growing up, he was looking for the Messiah coming, but he was just involved like anybody else. He was in a small town. He was occupied with his life. He was busy doing what he should, doing, should be doing, and he wasn't any different from anybody else, as far as we know. Um, His occupation was that he was a fisherman. Now turn with me to that one, and I'm going to want you to keep your hand there, a marker there. Mark chapter 1. Let's go to that particular passage. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. This is all in the salutation just to prepare us for some of the things that are going to be great that we're going to learn in this particular book, but even as we look at Peter. Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 14, and I will move from it, so that's why I say keep your finger here. It says, now after John had been taken into custody, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. He's preaching the good news. What is that? Salvation. I'll come back to that this morning before communion. Saying, the time is faithful, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And let me just pause there. You have to do it right now. That is what we are called to do. If you're here today and you've been singing these songs, singing these songs all in reference to Christ, if you are without Christ, that is the most important thing in the world. God loved the world so much, he sent his only begotten Son. That's the good news. We are going to die because of our sin. But God offers the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, but it's only found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried rose again the third day and is now ascended and at the right hand of the Father. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the good news, the gospel of God, and where forgiveness of sins is is found. Now, John the Baptist has been preaching this, and I want you to notice, and Peter's about doing his business. Jesus Christ comes along now that he's taken, and he's preaching it, and then you got verse 16. And as he was going, that is Jesus, along by the Sea of Galilee again, he saw Simon and Andrew. So That's the other name, okay? The brother of Simon. Casting a net into the sea. Why? For they were fishermen. Let me stop right there for a second. It says they were fishermen. That's his occupation. He was a fisherman and it is obvious, and I will give you this. You can study it out on your own if you want to take the time. But he was born or in the, from the city of Bethsaida, but he now is in the area of the city of Capernaum. It's a larger city now. Why? Because as a fisherman, by this stage, he's probably, and I say probably, it's pretty evident, that he inherited, he and his brother, his father's shipping business. And they are now in control of it. And it has grown and it is bigger. And he's probably in that area. And we know from Luke chapter 5, which I will not turn to, that he had more than one boat. He had many boats. And so that was his occupation. It's also interesting that, I want you to catch this, that while Peter was from Bethsaida and he was from Capernaum, which is where he is now, do you know what's true about those two cities? Those are two of the cities in Matthew chapter 11 that the Lord cursed. Those are two of the cities that he said it would have been better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the two cities that Peter lived in. You got that? We are in a society, and you look at society, and you say, the United States is going down the tubes. Uh, Morality is going down the tubes. Peter was living in it. Not only that, in the life of Peter, Jesus Christ performed many, many miracles, and all those people saw it, and they had Peter living there. And God would turn around and curse those cities and said, if the miracles that have been done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. You didn't. That is the towns that he's living in. That is the towns that he's fishing in. That is the area that he's being brought up in as a boy. He was married. In case you didn't know that, a lot of people talk about, keep your finger in mock, because I want to come back there. I will just read to you Matthew chapter 8 in case you don't think Peter was married. Uh, because, as you know, in certain religions, he's looked at as the first Pope, and people don't get married. Well, he was married. How do you know that? Because the Word of God tells us. Matthew chapter 8, let me read verses 14 and 15. When Jesus came to Peter's home, Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law. You cannot have a mother-in-law unless you have a wife. Right? And this isn't the only passage, by the way. But it says he came, and his mother-in-law was sick, and the Lord touched his hand, and the fever went away. What happened? The Lord had mercy on Peter's mother-in-law. Peter was a married man. and He says so himself, by the way. So what have you got? You've got a guy that's busy. He's Jewish. He's looking for the Messiah. He's hardworking. He's a businessman. He's married. He's earning a living and just participating like we. He doesn't have any Bible training. He didn't have any Bible training. He doesn't have a time for lots of things to go on. We also know for the scripture, I will say this, that he was a leader. That is evident. He's also a very impulsive man. He's also a very prideful man. And he's also a very unsubmissive man. Now, you're going to have to take my word for granted, but you study the word of God and you would find that out in his life. That's who he is. And he's going along in his business, and I want you to see that God did something. Just like you. If you were a born again believer today, if you, are, and there is no other type, if you are a believer, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you were just like that. I was. I grew up in this Merrimack Valley. I went to the schools in Lawrence. I graduated from originally a college up in New Hampshire. I was just about my business. I went into Boston and worked for a CPA firm, I then worked for one in Lowell. I was just working about my business until God did something in my life. I was religious. And the same is true in your story. It's no different with Peter. He didn't go away to study to become an apostle. He was a fisherman with failures, with problems, with difficulties, with responsibilities. And God came along and did something. That's why I go back to the opening passage in our study today, Peter. And it says in 1 Peter, Peter, now watch, an apostle of Jesus Christ. God did something in his life. Back in Mark chapter 1, where I wanted you to keep your finger, I only read through verse 16. Look at 17 and 18. And Jesus said to him, Who? Peter, follow me, and I will make you become. You understand why he says fishers of men? This guy was a fisherman. I'm gonna make you fishes of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. There was a change, a dramatic change that took place in the life. So as we open up this epistle, the writer of epistle, this epistle that we're gonna study, was a man just like you and I. He was just an ordinary person, but God did something in that man's life. And that's why he's going to be able to share about these trials and tribulations to us. He was chosen by God to be an apostle. He was obviously a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Do you remember what it says in Matthew? Thou art the Christ. He said to Peter, who do you say I am? And that is the question today. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Just another figure? Religious man? Someone to follow? Someone who had good moral principles? Someone who was a son of God, but not God? No, not at all. He is the Savior. He is the one and only Savior. And you need to understand that unless you trust in him as the Messiah, as the Christ like Peter did, you will not be able to follow Christ. You will not know him and not have forgiveness of sins. But he followed Jesus. He is the leader of the apostles. Did you know that Peter, this man who's writing, was the one that God used to transition the gospel? The first thing you find in the book of Acts chapter 2 is after the Holy Spirit came. It is Peter that brings the gospel to the Jews. And while Jesus Christ said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, guess who he sends to Samaria? You say one of the other disciples, yes, but guess who he sends to confirm it? Peter. Guess who he sends to Cornelius when the gospel is going to the Gentiles? Now Paul's the, gospel, the apostle of the Gentiles but he sends Peter. This is a man that God is going to change and transform his life. He's a man that God is going to use to record the scriptures so that you and I can study it. Who is this guy? Just a fisherman. Just an ordinary person that God was able to take his life. Who would, by the way, eventually die for Christ. And in case you don't know, tradition holds. Most of you know half of it. But tradition holds, and I say tradition, is through the church fathers as we go back and study it, that Peter not only died for Christ, he was crucified upside down apparently because he thought he was not worthy to be crucified like a savior. But what you may not know is tradition also holds that Peter had to stand there before he was crucified and watch his wife be crucified in front of him. He's a man who knew nothing. Is a man who is going to be mightily used. How could he be bold enough to preach the gospel and then watch his wife be crucified in front of him and then him be crucified upside down? Only because God can make a change in that life. But I want you to understand something else as we're getting ready to understand this epistle. And we're going to study this epistle. He's the writer, we're only in verse 1. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's sent by Jesus Christ. He was a man that was a fisherman, a man that was involved in business, a man that was a family man, and God was changing his life. But maybe he, again, is this guy with a uh, halo around his head that is just walking around, and even after he was called, he was perfect, right? I don't think so. We are going to learn this letter from this man who's going to write to us about trials and how God is working. You know why? He experienced it. What are you talking about? He resisted the gospel. He resisted the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Dan? Get thee behind me, Satan. That came after this call. Why? Because he says, you're not savoring the things of God, but of Satan, when he tried to prevent Jesus Christ from going to the cross, that was long after this. Peter knew what it was like to get in the way of God's plan. He failed him and his faith failed when he walked on the water. You say, well, he got out on the water. Yes, he did. And the Lord said, come to me. And he looked around at the storm and what happened? He sunk. He's a man who's going to be able to talk to us and say, trials come along and they are more precious than gold that perisheth because he was in them. Folks, this writer is going to be used by God who is a man after he came to christ denied the lord jesus christ 3 times i do not know him we get saved and we think that our life is supposed to be perfect we get saved and we think we're super saints and then we're honest our faith fails We don't do the things that we should do. We get in the way of the Lord. And you know the tragedy? So often Christians quit, they give up. I'm not like that person sitting on the other side of the room. I failed. You did. Pastor Dan failed. He does. And you failed. And you will. Peter failed. Even after he came to Christ. But his life was ultimately victorious because he was still a vessel that God could work through. And through his trials in his life, he's going to move personally from a person that denied Christ to a person that says, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. You know I love you. After he denied him. And it is through the trials and circumstances that you and I are facing that every day that Peter is going to address as he's writing to these people in that area where they were not socially accepted, where things were very difficult, and they had real trials and were failing in life. And he was going to write and say to them, I want you to know how you can win and be victorious because I failed and I've been there and I've resisted. That's the writer. In the very first, beginning of this epistle. He wasn't perfect in his daily sanctification, and neither are we. But he had learned some things. What was the key? I believe this, and I'll have to stop here because we have communion this morning, and I want to challenge us. But I had you keep your finger in mark again because I wanted you to see this again. Look at what he said. What did he say to Peter in verse 17? Come on, help me. Two words. Follow Follow me. Do you know what happened at the end of Peter's ministry? Listen carefully. At the end of Peter's ministry, he was involved in a discussion with the Lord. And he said, you know, what's going to happen to this guy? He was talking about John. Is he going to live forever and long on the earth? You know what Jesus Christ said to him at the end of his ministry? He said, Peter, what's that to you? And he gave him two more words. Follow me. In the beginning of the call of Peter, he says to him, follow me. Before the Lord leaves this earth, in his ascension, he ends with Peter by saying, Peter, what does that matter? Follow thou That's what God wants of us, what God wants of us, and he's going to use this writer who through practical failures, through practical situations, even after salvation, was able to have a victorious life and at the end of his life to stand boldly after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to preach with boldness. To stand boldly and be crucified upside down and even watch his wife be crucified because of God working in the trials of his life and the failures of his life in which he didn't even have the education or anything else, but God was able to choose that vessel and use him and send him forth. We are not apostles like he is, and we'll talk about that, not today. But I want you to know, if you've come to Jesus Christ, what we are about to observe is the communion service. Why? Why? This is a reminder of a change that happened in my life. Pastor Dan at one time was blind, lost, and in darkness and in doom for hell. This reminds me that Christ did something. He made a change in my life. And what he's looking for me to do right now is to follow him. Will I fail? Yes. Have I failed? Yes. But I've got to fix my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith and God will continue to use me, and he's going to do that with you. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ wasn't just a gift for heaven. It was a relationship not only with him, but with one another, and Peter is going to address some precious saints that will carry to you and I today because these precious saints are part of the body of Christ, and we are one in him. May God help us as we begin to open this epistle to see that this was just a man that's a writing writing this epistle that God chose and used greatly, and he desires to use you if you know him. Not like everybody else, but to use you right where you are, with the gifts that you've been given, but he wants you to follow him. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, while I'm standing before this congregation, I know that I even since salvation, have failed you so many times. But Father, I am so grateful that you take ordinary people, no matter what our occupation is, our education is, our status is, and you change our lives so that we become new creations in Christ. And I thank you for every believer in this room. I thank you for other believers around the world, even in other local churches around us here who truly know Christ. And one day we'll spend eternity with them. I thank you for the work of Christ. But I pray specifically for us in this room, in this assembly, in our individual lives, that you'd help us to follow you, to walk with you. And when we fail, not to get so depressed or discouraged, to think that you can't use us anymore, but to look to you and to look at the example of Peter, who failed many times even after beginning to follow you and yet you continue to use him by your love and grace. And we thank you that you never forsake us, you never leave us, and you always desire to continue to use us. Help us to use the time that we have remaining on earth for your honor and glory. And Father, I have no doubt that in this room there are those who haven't come to Christ yet. Maybe they don't see any need, any lack, but Father, one thing they know, they will die. And I pray that you'd help them to see that the only hope beyond this grave, beyond this life, is to have faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the one and only Messiah. And I pray that they would come to trust in him and see that by following him, their lives can be fruitful for the honor and glory of God, and they can be used in a mighty way as well. I thank you for the communion before us, and pray that you'd help us as we partake to really meditate and think about when you brought us to salvation and how much it means to us and father might you renew a right spirit in each one of us so we would live for the honor and glory of God we pray in Jesus name Amen